when you keep asking questions and seeking answers, eventually you may realize that you're an answer. You you could potentially be an answer to to a problem or a challenge. This is Choose to be Curious, a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. I'm your host, Lynn Borton. Welcome. Come, choose to be curious with us. Earlier this week, I was talking with Stefan van Hooydonk, founder of the Global Curiosity Institute in Antwerp, Belgium, author of the best-selling book, The Workplace Curiosity Manifesto. Stefan shares his insights and strategies on how to cultivate curiosity as a core competency and a competitive advantage in the business setting. He's working on his next book about curiosity and success and asked to pick my brain. How could I say no? The timing couldn't have been better because I had today's topic and guest swirling in my head already. Stefan and I ended up talking a lot about an idea we both share that maybe we need to redefine both curiosity and success. But let me back up. Stefan offers his business clients a curiosity diagnosis. He uses a scale based on a validated instrument developed by George Mason University professor and psychologist Todd Cashton to identify the kinds of depths of curiosity present in an organization. It's pretty much the same quiz you or I can use to identify our own curiosity configuration. It's a great scale. You can try it out on my website. The five dimensions hint at something I've been thinking about for some time, that we may be using one word, curiosity, to mean a whole bucket of quite different behaviors and mindsets. I shared that thought with Stefan and then went on to say, I think the same may be true for success. Now, admittedly, I don't spend nearly as much time thinking about what success is as I do curiosity. Heaven knows I'm no expert, but I wonder if we've got it a little wrong. Part of the reason I think so is because of people like Yasmin Arrington Brooks. Yasmin is founder and CEO of Scholarships, a nonprofit that provides college scholarships, mentoring, and a support network for children of incarcerated parents. In 2010, as a junior in high school, Yazzie was a fellow in the Learn Serve International Program in Washington, D.C. The program challenged participants to help solve a need within their community. At the time, Yazzie and her grandmother were searching for scholarships to help cover her future college tuition, but they couldn't find anything targeted for teens like her someone whose parents were incarcerated. Realizing that millions of other youth have an incarcerated parent and would benefit from a college scholarship and mentorship program tailored to their experience, Yazzie decided to create one herself. And so Scholarships was born. Yazzie went on to college at Elon University. She and I got to know one another when she was fresh out of school and we were both getting started in radio six or seven years ago. She's since earned her Master's of Divinity from Howard University, was a 2021 Washington Business Journal 40 Under 40 honoree, and most recently is a 2023 CNN Hero finalist. By any traditional measure, Yazzie is a roaring success. Yet at the heart of all of her efforts, it seems to me, is something bigger. I believe Yasmin pays attention to value added that's about more than just the bottom line, 
but about creating value for society, centering people, aiming for justice. So when I wanted to talk to someone about curiosity and social entrepreneurship, how curiosity might show up while using an entrepreneurial mindset to develop and fund solutions that directly address social issues, I couldn't think of anyone better to talk to. So welcome, Yazzie. Hi, Lynn. Thank you so much. That was the most beautiful introspective introduction I've ever heard. That was so beautiful. (laughs) It it wasn't hard. I've been a Yazzie fan for a long time. And I just have to say congratulations on the CNN Hero finalist status. That's that's amazing. Thank you. Yes, I'm I'm very grateful. It's still somebody pinch me. You know, it, it really it, it really does. It it really does feel like a dream and I'm just so so grateful. So, before I kind of turn us to curiosity, I want to sit with this success question for a minute. How do you how do you measure success? And and do you think that's sort of representative of this sort of socially entrepreneurial mindset. Let's let's characterize it that way cuz you're you're an entrepreneur with a with kind of an extra test for yourself, right? In terms of your success. So how do you measure it? I mean, uh, beyond the the metrics, you know, as they every grant application they ask this question in a number of different ways, you know, how will you how will you measure success? what are your metrics of success? How will you define success, right? They're always asking for metrics. So yes, definitely, I would say as many young people as we possibly can support who have incarcerated parents, you know, I I, I would love to get to the point where we are supporting tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of young people. But, but whether or not scholarships gets to that point in terms of numbers, what I do understand is a couple of things, at least for me, one, to not despise small beginnings and to mm. also realize how much impact that scholarships has already had in, in, in about 13 years where, you know, we started with the first cohort of eight scholars in 2012. And now fast forward to 2023 and we've had 88 scholars to come through the That's program. Amazing. And now, thank you. Thank, and now 40, 40 of those young people have wow. graduated. Yes. And then about 29 of them are, are actively matriculating through college. But I've been able to, in just a short time, see the impact that this program has had um, and, and mentorship and mental health supports and, and technology supports and all these different things on young people who have incarcerated parents, not only on the, on the child or the scholar themselves, but their families. And they are inspiring their, their families. Like uh, one young lady, she is going on the track of dentistry and her mother mentioned that she was going back to school and that she was getting, <gasps> getting a, working on a degree. And I was like, Oh my goodness, congratulations. And this, this, oh, and that's great. This is like the third year that we've had scholars, their younger siblings, you know, when they're old enough, their siblings are applying to scholarships as well. So I'm like, Whoa, like this is, mm-hmm. this is really cool. I mean, the 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 really big idealistic kind of pie in the sky vision is that eventually children of incarcerated parents, including youth and young adults who have incarcerated parents, that they won't be stigmatized 
in 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 our society, but even maybe even a little more importantly, that they'll have access to higher education without this major burden of how am I going to pay for it while they're going through it, and then after, you know, how am I going to pay off these loans? Right. So when I got started researching this topic, I kept coming up with articles and studies that were, you know, listing the main attributes of a social entrepreneur, creative, committed, connected, creating value, and always curious was on the list. I honestly did not know that I was going to find that when I went looking. So that was kind of exciting. But do you agree? Is curiosity central to that social entrepreneurial mindset? And and I'm like, if so, how so? Absolutely. I believe that curiosity is a necessary trait to have as a social entrepreneur or someone who is getting going into some some form of social entrepreneurship because honestly having curiosity about the world that you live in about life about you know like curiosity breeds questions and when you ask enough questions <laughs> You, you know, you usually want to seek answers. And right. so as you're seeking, you're asking questions and seeking answers, sometimes the answers may or may not be what you expect or what you want to, to hear or to learn. Curiosity is sort of humbling, I think, in a way, oh. um, because, you know, you I think you have to admit you have to be OK with not feeling like you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so when you, like I said, when you keep asking questions and seeking answers, eventually you may realize that you're an answer. You you could potentially be an answer to to a problem or a challenge, and then comes that social entrepreneurship piece. It's like, okay, well, I could wait for somebody else or for government or some entity to try to to solve this problem or to or or you may look at solution quote unquote solutions or programs that already exist and maybe they're working maybe they're not or maybe it's a little bit of both uh, or maybe there's a solution that could be even better that would cause less harm hopefully so yes i i say all that to say that i believe you know, are they, as they may say, be, keep your childlike curiosity, you yeah, know, just yeah, yeah. always seeking, always wondering, always, all, always asking questions, right? No, no question is a dumb question. Um, and I believe it's because of the brave souls and the brave hearts that always continue to ask questions and seek answers in which some of these solutions are born. You're listening to Choose to be Curious, a show all about curiosity. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and I'm joined today by Yasmin Arrington-Brooks. We're talking about curiosity and social entrepreneurship. One of the papers that I read was actually a study on social entrepreneurship in, in engineers. Mm. So different different group of people, but but they identify these mindsets and behaviors. And I thought, these must be, if not universal, pretty close. Mm-hmm. Being mindsets like inherently interested in a wide variety of things, thinking from both an epistemic and divergent perspective, so bigger and smaller, empathic to perspectives for others' viewpoints, comfortable with ambiguity, 
a willingness to challenge accepted solutions, just what you were saying. Mm -hmm. And then on the behaviors, like critically observe surroundings and recognize opportunity, um, exploring multiple solution paths, gathering data to support and refute ideas, suspending initial judgments on new ideas, Mm. observing trends about the changing world and a future-focused orientation or perspective, collecting feedback. Do those... Do those ring true for you? Do you have maybe experiences or stories that that kind of demonstrate that's that sort of either mindset or behavior in your own experience? Absolutely. One of the ones that stood out to me that you said, I may be paraphrasing a bit here, is not judging, you know, not not right, judging yeah. thoughts or solutions. Um, hmm. With scholarships when I, (laughs) I never, the funny thing is, is that I never in initially, I never intended for, (laughs) for it to actually take real form. Mm -hmm. Um, I I wondered about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really funny. I was 16, I was 16 years old and I was in high school and we all know how, you know, we all are kind of silly, sort of, sort of, for lack of a better term. I don't mean it in a negative way, but we're all sort of kind of silly and, you know, trying to figure out things. And <laughs> I was in the, I was in the LearnServe program as a fellow. And really my, my drive to do the program was that if you completed the program, for a one full school year in the summer, you could have the opportunity to study, to do sort of like a, literally a learn, learning, serving, study abroad trip for about 21 days in a different oh, country. Oh. Yes. And so one of the countries on that list was Zambia, Africa. And I was like, oh, I was like, yes. Oh, yes. I <laughs> must go to the motherland. Like, that's what I was you know, and part of that was the curiosity. Sure, sure. Of course, that trip was absolutely very formative and, ex- you know, m- mind expanding and, and all of these things. But little did I really know what I was getting myself into as I was going through the LearnServe program and being exposed to meeting a lot of uh, uh, social entrepreneurs in in different sectors, in different industries, whether it's healthcare or environment, uh, urban planning and all. I mean, it was really just mind blowing. And I, I think I probably am still trying to process all these years later, what that whole experience was, but, but you know, we had to come up with, with these, they called them ventures, venture projects. We had to come up with a venture project slash solution to whatever the social problem we identified. So the social problem I identified initially was mass incarceration and the prison industrial complex. Whew. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, pow, you know, so I, <laughs> you were ambitious. <laughs> Exactly. So, but I mean, I was at the moment I was going through the motions at the moment, you know, if I'm being fully transparent and then it, then it just like began to become very real, very quickly. You know, we had these phenomenal cohort, uh, cohort leaders, they called them. And so my cohort leader was helping me and say, okay, well, you know, this is, this is great, you know, do some more research, but maybe narrow, you know, think about narrowing your, your focus a little bit because this is such a, these are such broad, massive 
you know, uh, I don't know what to even call problems, I guess, or, you know, maybe, maybe you can pick, pick something a little bit more specific within mass incarceration or prison industrial complex. So I ended up selecting or focusing on the, the effects of parental incarceration on children and families. Uh, okay. Yep. And the reason I selected that, I guess, focus is because that was part of my personal experience was that, as you mentioned, you know, my father had been in and out of jail and prison my entire life up to that point, And unfortunately still now. Mm-hmm. And so it was something of interest. And then at the same time, what was also happening simultaneously was, you know, my maternal grandmother and I, who, who was my primary caregiver, what we were researching scholarships avidly, you know, to, to find different scholarships I could apply for so I could afford college tuition. And she was the one who had really the aha moment that my grandmother mentioned to me, you know, Yasmin, there are so many scholarships out here, but I don't, I don't see any specifically for young people like yourself who have incarcerated parents. And so that was an aha moment. And I said, Hmm, okay. At first I, I, I didn't think much of it. And I, I just kind of kept in my memory bank and said, hmm, that's an instant observation. Okay, grandma, I got you. <laughs> and then, but then, you know, going back to learn, serve and having to, okay, you know, we, you guys, all right, now it's time to put your ventures down on paper and start doing your business plan and all. And I'm like, okay, I had nothing. So <laughs> I said, well, you know, I really, I had nothing. And I was like, well, you know, I really, my girl, well, my grandmother, she, she raised a valid point. Right. So I said, well, okay, well, I mean, it sounds like a really good idea, you know, to, to, to have a scholarship program or, and or mentorship program for young people like myself who are trying to go to college and, you know, looking for resources. So that became my pitch. And then I pitched it. And then all of a sudden, there you were. It, there I was, right? <laughs> At the time, LearnSurf had a partnership with Ashoka's Youth Venture. Oh, sure. That's like the source of social entrepreneurship. Uh, yes. Ashoka was giving pretty, I mean, for young people that age, they were, you know, they gave a few thousand dollar seed grants to some of the different ventures that year. And, and myself and scholarships, you know, we were we were one of the ones selected. And so it was like, there you are. Talk about going there back to the motherland again, huh? Exactly. I was like, oh, oh man, oh shoot, I've got to, I've got to do something. And yeah, anytime. you got to do something. So yeah. what I love about, so what I love about that is there's a there's a professor at Yale, Teresa Chaheen, I think is her name, the School of Management, who works on social entrepreneurship, and I, I was reading some of her stuff again in preparation for this discussion, and one of the things she said. So many things, actually. It's like, do not do this alone. You know, you know, you're going to be more successful if you're involving people who are direct, personally have an impact with this problem. So you were doing that because this was you, right? So you had this really relevant experience that you could bring to it. But one of the things that she said that I thought was so interesting that really kind of resonated on this curiosity frame was also think of research as a form of action. Mm. And everything from your grandmother, you know, kind of researching scholarships, but also like what you were talking about of, you know, you had to try different models and think about this. And it took you a while to sort of get to this idea and narrow the question. 
I mean, that was not wasted effort. That was not wasted energy or a narrowing because that's part of what set you up to have something that was focused enough Mm -hmm. to really be successful. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I, I love that. I I love that. I'll put all this stuff on the website. I'll send you all these things because, oh my gosh, I learned so much. (laughs) Very nice. I would love to read, read some of her publications because she's, she's right. She's right on it. Research. I think honestly, as we continue to connect the dots here, definitely is a form of curiosity. And like, I guess it's curiosity and action. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So have you found yourself developing what I would describe as curiosity practices? I mean, ways that you use curiosity in your work or life outside of scholarships, because you're, you know, you're more than the job. Although I know sometimes we all feel like we're not more than the job. The job is more than we are. But (laughs) do you, do you have what you think of as curiosity practices? Yes. I, I, I ask questions all the time, every day, like, Uh and even with my now husband and I, and I really, one of the things that I, I really, really, really value about our friendship first, you know, and sort of how we communicate is that we always ask a lot of questions and we kind of do this, like, I don't know what you would call sort of like a tennis match or something like that, where, you know, one asks a question and the other, you know, may have another follow-up question or, you know, we, we, we think about things in life and then we start going down the rabbit hole sometimes (laughs) and I'm on YouTube and he's on Quora, you know, and Reddit and all this. And it's just, it just, it makes, I think it makes life for, at least for me, more interesting. And I, I enjoy really deep layered introspective conversations that, that go below that are not just you know that kind of go below the surface yeah because my i don't know what it is yes i'm i i am a proud professor nerd <laughs> at heart i really really am i just i love i love human connection i love like i said deep conversations um but 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 also asking and challenging the things that I'm seeing, I, I rarely take things at face value, whether it's whether it's newscasts or whatever it is. You know, I just like I'll, I'll kind of take if if it sounds like, hmm, OK, this is new or this. I kind of if it sounds like it resonates with me or maybe it may not resonate at the time, I'll sort of put it in my memory bank or if there's things that I'm like, hmm, I don't know about this. You know, then I'll say, I'll say, okay, let me investigate this, right? Or, or okay, I'll put it on the shelf, and I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that. But I'm a purpose seeker, and I and I'm um, very much. I have become the older I get, more spiritual, and so all of that, and like identity, you know, and how I show up in the world, and purpose seeking, all of that involves curiosity, you know. I do know. I do know. Those are lovely curiosity practices. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, before I let you go, are you game for my big jar of wannabe analogies? Oh, yeah. So I have this big jar, little or big jar, and I have slips of paper in here. I'm going to take one for you, one for me, and one for the audience. Nice. We're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on these slips of paper. Very nice. Okay. Yours is rain. 
How is Kira's right. like rain? Mine is sneezing. <laughs> <laughs> and I have one for the audience. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, hmm. Uh, yes, I'll 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 have you go first. Okay, then. okay, sneezing. Um, <laughs> uh, how is curiosity like sneezing? Well, I'm going to say that uh, like sneezing, curiosity can sometimes hit you in you know kind of explosive spurts. Hmm. Um, I think sometimes it's almost beyond our control, um, and um, and that sometimes we you know we stifle it. And that may not be good in either circumstance. So that's what I'll say about that's beautiful. curiosity that's poetic. and sneezing. So poetic with something that is so like you. Like. So not poetic. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so mine is rain. Curiosity to me is like rain. Because one, rain usually is unexpected. It's it's something that we anticipate, but we're just not ever really sure. Uh, but then you begin to see signs of rain. And so I think, you know, curiosity is something that we, at least for those of us who make conscious decisions to want to be curious and ask questions, like we kind of, we we sort of anticipate that there will be opportunities to be curious and then it rains and rain at the moment is like, Oh, like, uh, get me out of here. I, I don't want to get soaking wet, but at the same time, rain is necessary for growth and for, you know, flowers and nature and to clear out all the pollen in the air and all of that. So when it does come, it, it, it may not seem it in the moment, but it can become a blessing. Nice. Um, and, and it produces growth. Nice. Speaking of poetic, speaking of poetic, <laughs> very nice. I think we've got a thing. I think we've got a thing going on, Lynn. <laughs> we do. We do. And audience, yours is Barber. How is curiosity like a barber? Let me know. Social media, hashtag analogy. Well, Yazzie, Thank you so much for this. Congratulations again. And I just can't wait to see what, you know, the next six or seven years bring. Thank you, Lynn. This has really been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you for this opportunity. You've been listening to Choose to be Curious. I'm your host, Lynn Borton. Thanks for joining us here today. You can find all my shows on my website at choosetobecurious.com. I hope you follow me here, there, and on social media at choosetobecurious. Don't forget to send us your barber analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks and congratulations to my guest, Yasmin Arrington Brooks. Links to scholarships on my website. Links, too, to the five dimensions of curiosity, as well as my conversations with Stefan Van Hooydonk and Todd Cashton, as well as links on the social entrepreneurship. So much goodness on that website. Thanks, too, to Sean Ballack for our theme music. And this is Front Runner by Union Hall via Blue Dot Sessions. I hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, choose to be curious. Mm-hmm.